Welcome, everyone. As many of you who have been here for the last few weeks know, we've been covering a series of spiritual principles, really putting some effort into understanding how if we use spiritual principles, spiritual laws in our lives, we can make a big difference. You know, the outside part of our lives can start to, um, looking more the way we want it. We can start seeing more love, more life, more abundance, more stuff around us that's more to our, look, uh, more to our liking. Well, this week we're starting kind of an opposite series, if you will. We're reading Joel Goldsmith, The Infinite Way. And one of the first things that Joel Goldsmith says is, you know, that is good as it is, but there's more to life than the stuff. There's more to life than um, organizing things in such a way that you're not feeling any pain. There's, there's more to life than just uh, making sure that your bank account's full and that you have a, a happy family. There's more to life than, than just the perfect house and the perfect relationship. Even in its perfection, there's more to life than that. Let me read the, the opening statement he has. This is even before the preface. He says, The world is not in need of a new religion, nor is the world in need of a new philosophy. What the world needs is healing. What the world needs is regeneration. The world needs people who, through devotion to God, are so filled with the Spirit that they are instruments through which healing takes place. So it's not about um, organizing the outside part of your life so that you can feel good. It's not about trying to get the right relationship and the right car and the, the right education and, and all of that outer stuff. And, and he's quick to say it doesn't mean there's anything wrong with those things. That is part of our spiritual path as well. We do need to know how spiritual laws work. We do need to know that if something comes up through prayer, through affirmation, we can have an effect on our outside world. Goldsmith simply says, that's not enough. That's not all of it. He begins this book talking about immortality. And uh, I did my best to find a, a really good joke on immortality, and I failed. So I'm, so instead, so instead, I'm going to give you three really bad jokes instead. You know, I, I figure we'll make up with quantity for quality, right? But, but they're kind of funny uh, Woody Allen jokes. So for those of you who've seen Annie Hall, I'm just totally ripping him off. Because at one point in Annie Hall, he turns to, um, um, to Diane Keaton, and for whatever reason, they start talking about life and immortality. And Woody Hall says, well, you know, it really reminds me of that old joke about the two elderly women vacationing in the Berkshires. They're at a, a fine resort in the Berkshires, and they're sitting down to dinner, and the one elderly woman says, you know, the food here really stinks. The, the meat has gristle and fat in it and the vegetables are overcooked and, the, you know, the iced tea is too strong. And the other elderly woman says, oh, I know. And the portions are so small. <laughs> yeah, it's a Woody Allen joke. <laughs> you got to be there with it. But Woody turns to Diane Keaton, and this is like their first date, right? So how would you like to have Woody Allen as your first date? He turns to Diane Keaton and he says, essentially, that is my view of life. You know, it's, it, it's that there's trouble, there's strife, relationships will go poorly, you'll get fired with jobs, and at the end of it, you just want more. 
<laughs> and the third joke of Woody Allen actually is, is from another of his movies. And in that movie, he plays an author. And uh, so he's at a book signing, and all kinds of people are coming up and getting um, his autograph on their books. And they're saying, you know, you're going to be immortalized through this book. This book is going to really make your last throughout all time. This is your immortality. And he turns to the person and says, well, that's really nice, uh, but I don't want to be immortalized through my book. I want to be immortalized through living forever. (laughs) (laughs) And so the purpose of these jokes really is a complete antithesis to what Joel Goldsmith is talking about in the infinite way. And it sort of makes sense. Because all of Woody's jokes, right, are about the futility of trying to get the outsides of things perfect. If your intent of life is to make sure that at the hotels in the Berkshire, your food is exactly the way you want it and the iced tea is exactly the strength you want it. If if you're worried about the outsides of life always being perfect, you're never going to find peace and happiness, right? Because you'll no sooner get one part of your life working really well than over here, right? That someone's going to lose a job or, or, or a child will end up, you know, being hooked on drugs. Or Do you know what I mean? It's like we cannot muscle down life into some perfect mold for ourselves. And all of those jokes, I think, point out the futility of this. We're not only going to have a life of struggle, but at the end of it, we're going to feel like we need more. We need more time, right? Because there will never be enough time to put everything in perfect order. The infinite way suggests that we don't have to. The infinite way suggests that as we get closer mentally and from a heart space to God itself, and however we view that, whatever name of God you want to use, that as we get closer to it, as it has a a firmer ability to live in us and through us, the outside of things take care of themselves. And so no longer is it, well, I need to do a prayer for this, and I need to do a treatment for that, and I need to do some affirmations and around, around abundance, right? Because all of those are great and wonderful spiritual tools, and we will use them. But if our entire life is oriented towards using our spiritual tools to make the outside of things different, we're going to end up just like one of those Woody Allen jokes. And sadly, not everyone will even laugh. <laughs> So the infinite way, and in particular mortality in this chapter of the book, is not something that we achieve after death. It's not something tied to our personal sense of ego and our accomplishments. Immortality does not live on because we have built a bigger house or, or written a series of books. Immortality is our own closeness to God. That is the source of life itself, of course, God. And our immortality is based on an understanding of God, not on anything that happens on the outside. So our immortality arises in us as we begin living from the inside out. Now, what that means to me, living from the inside out, is recognizing the divinity in everything, in every person, every place, everything, every situation. We know intellectually that everything comes from God, The infinite way suggests 
that when we can know that here, not just intellectually, not just as a concept that Larry or the practitioners tell us on Sunday that God, you know, is the source of everything, but when we start living life knowing that right here in our most intimate heart, when we recognize that when something bad happens, that this is me and this is God and this is my life and this is okay. There may be things I need to take care of, but it is okay. When we can take that inward journey and not try to, to find blame with the world, not try to rearrange the world, when we can accept life as it's coming, and certainly we, need to, uh, we may choose to make changes in it, but we can, when we can just say, yes, this is life, and I will find the God in it, then we are in the path of the infinite way. The second chapter in this book talks about illumination, and it simply says that when we're on this path, we're apt to miss the turns and the twists in it, and it is because the rest of life is too bright. Do you know what I mean? Is it not easy to get caught up in the bright colors of life to the point that we really don't even notice our spiritual being. And when I say the bright colors of life, I mean the, the craziness that happens at work. It, it means the relationship that's having a high point or a low point. It, it means that when things are going wrong in grandchildren land or, or an illness befalls us, these are bright. These stick out. These call to us. Pay attention to me. I need some attention now. The trouble with that is if all we have time to do is to kind of pound down those nails that are sticking up, we are probably missing the point of our lives. So the illumination, the illumination of the infinite way is to shine a light, is to have an awareness of God in everything. And the, uh, throughout all the first three chapters of this book, Joel Goldsmith keeps talking about using our inner awareness, our inner senses, our higher wisdom self, our ability to sense when something is correct, not just to see it, not just to hear it, because our outer senses are what has gotten us to where we are right now. It is our perception, if you will, through sight and sound and touch and taste and feeling that has made our judgments on the world. And it's a good tool for making choices physically out here. But he says it's a bad set of tools for knowing what is true in our heart. I'm going to do something a little bit different today. You know, it's interesting. So much of metaphysics is something that we can just talk about. But I want to suggest that today when we're speaking of the, the, uh, the mystical side of metaphysics, that it's really something we have to experience. And you can't experience what Joel Goldsmith is uh, talking about just from listening to me. So we're going to do a little bit of an exercise today. I hope you're willing. So um, just close your eyes if you're, if you're up for this. It's just a little bit of a guided meditation. So just allow your mind to grow a little quiet. Just allow yourself to feel supported in your chair. And in your mind's eye, I would like you to think of an issue in your life that's troubling you. It doesn't have to be anything major, although it could be. Just something in your life that maybe isn't going the way you would wish that it was. Something that's troubling you.
might be a relationship or a job issue. Might be something in your living situation. Just something that's troubling you. And now I would like you to begin understanding what your five senses tell you about it. So what do your eyes tell you about this troubling situation? What do you see when you see this troubling situation? And what do your ears tell you? Are there harsh words being exchanged? Have feelings been hurt through hearing words? If it applies, how does your sense of taste or your sense of smell play into this? Is there either of these senses involved in this troubling situation? And what does your sense of touch tell you about this? So using your exterior senses, your sight, sound, touch, taste, and smell, what do you see about this troubling situation? Now we're going to change things a little bit. I'm going to suggest that we also have five interior or spiritual senses. And so using them on this same situation that's troubling you, I'd like to ask, what do you see with your inner eye of wisdom and intuition? What does your intuition, your, your inner wisdom, tell you about this situation? What do you feel in your inner heart? If your heart were to speak about this situation, what would it say? For a taste or a smell, we might have to get metaphorical here. Does something smell fishy? Does the situation leave a bad taste in your mouth? Is something being candy-coated? Think about this situation again from the inside. And then finally I ask, what do you hear from your higher wisdom self, that, that God that resides within, what do you hear from your higher wisdom self about this issue? What does that still small voice of spirit have to say? All right, I invite you to bring your attention back into the room and you can open your eyes. Did you notice the difference? Did you notice that oftentimes what's happening on the outside may or may not be helpful to the real issue at hand? When we really try to view our lives from those interior sense, the sense of what our heart would do, the sense of what truly the, the Larry of wisdom would do, sometimes we will get very different answers. This is the path of the infinite way. And what I think is interesting, it's almost as though there are parallel paths. And, and I, I suppose, you know, one of the things that Nancy often says on Sunday is we honor all paths to God, that really everyone is welcome here. And I would suggest that the path of the infinite way is one taken in parallel to some of the other spiritual paths that we teach here as well. 
that certainly there is nothing wrong with using spiritual principles and tools to transform our lives in the world. And as a parallel track to that, we don't need to worry about the outside of things at all. The world can be at war, the world can be having its problems, and we simply can hold the higher ground. We simply can know that each of us as individuals is a center of peace, that each one of us as individuals is a center of love. And the more people that take that inward journey, the more people that are on the path of the infinite way, war simply will vanish. It, it, war doesn't need to be legislated out or united nationed out. If each of us in our heart was on the path of the infinite way knowing peace, uh, there would just be no war. So this is the infinite way that we're going to be covering over the next four weeks. And uh, I want to give you kind of a, a leg up onto next week simply by talking about how you can tell if you're on the path of the infinite way or if you're more on the path of spiritual evolution by doing. And the secret here is doing. The infinite way is about being and more traditional spiritual paths are about doing. So if you find yourself, even at your most altruistic moments, wanting to do for others, wanting to make a name for yourself, wanting to show up in a certain way, wanting to have the best job, wanting to have a series of accomplishments, wanting to, and they can be very altruistic, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying uh, sort of ego run amok here at all. Uh, on your best day, <laughs> the doingness that takes place, that is one path towards God. Joel Goldsmith suggests that maybe even a quicker path to God is around being. It's around being love. It's around being peace. It's around approaching everything that comes your way from a sense of being which you would want to see. So that you're no longer uh, in that problem-solving mode of, what do I need to do to make this situation come out right? What do I, you know, how do I need to change myself? How do I need to change the world? Instead, it's recognizing that nothing needs to be fixed except our own heart, except our own thoughts, except our own way of being for us. And that without ever making a change in the outside world, without ever, uh, you know, helping to heal someone, without ever doing an intervention, without ever writing a famous book, without ever standing up in front of a room of people and, and hopefully giving you a, a glimmer of, of insight in, into your lives or lives in general, none of that is needed. In fact, I, I rather suspect Joel Goldsmith would say, y'all should just go home now <laughs> because the path of the infinite way begins, is in progress, and ends just right here. Just right here. So I'm going to give you the tiniest bit of homework for this week, and, uh, and I will uh, end with a, a quote and a prayer. So a tiniest bit of homework. Think of a person in your life that you have some difficulties with. Think of a person that you have some difficulties with in life, and simply try to look at them through the lenses of God's eyes. Picture yourself as a, 
maybe an enlightened being. Uh, I know it's a little difficult to imagine how God views things. So, so maybe think of yourself as though you were an enlightened human being, like, uh, I don't know, like the Buddha or Jesus or, or even Mother Teresa, someone we can get a better handle on. And take a look at that other person that's troubling you in your life through their eyes. Put away the five senses that we're used to dealing that with that person with, and instead, look at them from the inside out. So I'm closing with a, a final quote from this sweet book. He says, Inasmuch as we cannot meet a problem on the level of a problem, we must rise above the level of appearance in order to bring out the harmony that is our lives. That which is visible to the five senses is not actually the reality of things. Therefore, we cannot think from that level. Disregarding appearances, we turn from the picture before the senses and begin there to become aware of reality, that which is eternal. Let us pray. There is one power and one presence in this universe. It is this thing called life, and what I know about life is that it is glorious. And the true glory of life comes not about <laughs> arranging the living room of it. <laughs> the true glory and beauty and love of life is love of life. The exterior manifestation of it can be immaterial. And I know this is true for me. I know that regardless of anything going on on the outside of my life, there is a place of harmony, of sweetness, of love, of joy right here, right in my own heart at all times. And as it is true for me, I know it is true for each person in this way. When they're on, whether they're on the path of the infinite way or, or a more traditional religious path, what I know is that each person here has goodness in their heart. They are divinely inspired. They are made of that God stuff that is love and light and joy and peace and happiness. And I simply suggest on this day that each of us has that ability to emphasize a little bit more the inside and let go just a little bit more of the outside. I'm grateful for this. I let it be, and so it is. Thank you for being here today. Thanks so much for being here.